Well, you know what? Let's introduce ourselves. Uh, who are you? I mean, that, I, is, that is a huge a, that question. That is a huge question. <laughs> We're going to get into the existential abyss real quick. Very, very quickly. Uh, well, I go by summer for this podcast. Be- because you have a life? Uh, well, yeah, because I have a I have a big girl job um, that may or may not like all of the things I say on this podcast. And mama needs to pay her mortgage. You feel me? You feel me? You feel me? Yeah. Yeah. And also as a woman on the internet, you just want to keep yourself safe. Oh, yeah. Because people be crazy. People be crazy out here, especially the past six years. We're in 2022. So yeah, the past six years have made something that was already unsafe for us very much so, even more unsafe. Absolutely. I've decided to do the crazy thing and go by my actual name because I have interest in doing more than just this. I have interest in music, I have interest in writing books, and I would like people to associate my name and my face. So you're Summer, I am Georgia. Keep my wife's name (laughs) out your fucking (laughs) mouth. Lee. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to This Is Ugh. Let's get into it. I've had a real, I don't know, real rough time with friends my entire life because I used to be a pick me bitch. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Ooh. And before we had a word for that. Before we had words for pick me bitch. And um, I just kind of wanted to be liked, you know? So I did a lot of really stupid shit. And there's nothing more uncool than someone trying to be cool. Yeah. So, and I suffered through that for a very long time. And so it wasn't until maybe my like late 20s that I really started understanding what friendship really meant to me. And it really means just someone who is supportive, but also calls you on your shit. But a lot of people haven't sat back and said, okay, I'm going to take inventory of like the people in my life and actually figure out what I want in a person who's in my inner circle and what I don't want. Most people haven't done that. We have. We've had to. You I mean, lost I, your entire social circle at one point. So yeah. did I. So we had we had time to sit there and just oh, be like, yeah. oh, what's hap- what, what, ha- what happened? What happened? What's that, going on? Absolutely. <laughs> that breakup. I lost all the friends in that breakup. You yeah. Know? And, it, and it really, I think a really good thing that happened was that I did look within and I did self-reflect. And I was like, is it me? Am I the drama? Am I the drama? <laughs> And, and part of it was, yes, I was a hundred and fuck 10% the fucking drama. Mm-hmm. And now that I've like, you know, really looked like that, I'm like, yo, there's so many times when this was so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. But also, if you don't have someone being like, yo, what you're doing is unnecessary, I think that there's, there's no service to you, right? I had a friend who was, uh, who many, many years ago in another state, who was exactly that, who wasn't self-reflective and had lifelong friends. And I was the new interloper. I was like the newest person of like, they've known each other for 15 years and here I come. Like, right. here's a new one. You just walked up I in there. I just walked up in there. Just all proud. Just like, yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm fucking, here. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm here. new and I'm here. I'm here and I'm not queer, but I am, <laughs> but I'm black. So that's fun. Yeah. And I, 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 I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean that was and, a, like y'all a bunch of white people. And yeah. Here we are. That was, there was, uh, there was one brown person over here and then me, the one black person. But yes, that was pretty much it. And that person, our friendship imploded very rapidly. But what I realized toward the end was that their friends didn't call them on their shit. Mm-hmm. I could talk to their friends about mm-hmm. them and be like, they're like this and they're like that and they don't self-reflect. And once they become emotional, they lose all reason and all rationality and you can't actually have a conversation with them. Sure. And they just go off. It's impossible to speak to them at that point. And their friends will be like, yeah, I know. 
Sure. But no one will say this to this person except for me. And I'm the new one. I'm the one who hasn't known them for 15, 20 years. So I don't get to speak on their personality. I don't get to speak on the things that they're doing as a person that are like not okay. No, and no, the ones who are, have been there are not doing it. You 100% get to speak on it. But you also have to, once you speak on it, you have to understand that that person can be like, well, go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Because my friends for 15 years, just they bow down in my crazy. You don't want to deal with my crazy. You don't got to deal with my crazy. Bye. The circle of 15 years is like, oh, thank God I found people who will just tell me what I want to hear. And there's a lot of people in the world that only want friends like that, that only want relationships like that. And I think, you know, we're all allowed to say what we want in our opinions and be like, yo, I'm calling you on your shit. And it's up to them whether or not they want to receive it. And this woman clearly was like, I'm all set, B. I'm all, I'm all set. I'm, I'm good. I'm all set. So speaking of being uncomfortable, I recently reconnected with my oldest male friend. And um, unfortunately, it seems like in the 15 years we were separated, they seem to have gotten indoctrinated by Mm -hmm. what I would consider the right. I think they would consider themselves more libertarian, which say they're on the left, but libertarians are really not on the left to me. They're they're very much so on the right with the things that they value and believe. Their idea of freedom is so free that you're basically just a Republican. Yeah, it's wrong. It's it's full circle. It's full circle but the thing is during that conversation which they started they started the conversation in a way that i felt was leaning political and even though they protested and said like they don't want to have these conversations they're apparently they've turned into the not intellectual type not to say that they won't study american history and world history and politics they do but which is all whitewashed anyway like and they know and they know that they know all about how whitewashed um textbooks are they know what redlining is they know what Jim Crow is. They know the truth of the transatlantic uh, slave trade. I'm sure they'll have an issue with all these books that are being banned and the new textbooks that call slaves workers. (laughs) 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 So yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, they absolutely would be like, that's not the truth. It's not that they're not interested in the truth. It's that they want to turn their brain off. Just, you know, like your fiance, when they go out, it's like this person just in life, not even when they're drinking, they don't really drink. They just in life, I don't want to talk about that stuff and I don't want to think about that stuff. I want to talk about other things. And I'm just like, we used to, did we not? What, why are we fine? I was confused. I was like, right. where, what, where did we start off? What did we have in common? What did we like well, about each other? 15 years ago, we were 21 years old. I met this dude when I was 13. Why do we start friendships at 13? Like we just... No, there was no reason. There's no reason. No, there's no there's reason. There's no reason. They were there. They were there. We were in pro- close proximity to one another. Yeah. And we didn't hate them. It was proximity. It wasn't hate at first sight. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because so, 13, what do we know? We know nothing. We know... We have terrible friends at 13. <laughs> we like did. Like half the time we have really bad friends. We got lucky. At 15, we got lucky. But at 13, yeah, I don't think... I don't think he's the only person from that age that I still have any kind of contact with. But the point is, is that I was willing to be uncomfortable because my enjoyment of having these conversations way outweighs the discomfort I have of learning the kind of things he believes, the conspiracy theories, and he doesn't vote oh, and blah, blah, blah. You are a better bitch than me. I, <laughs> I'd be like, shut the fuck up. I cannot listen to one more word of this bullshit. But I was willing I was willing to hear it because he is a rational, he's a very good conversationalist. He is a rational, reasonable person who I think just kind of got indoctrinated and as easy as it was to do that, well wouldn't it be easy to just learn the actual facts and go back the other way and if he could easily go where he is, why couldn't he easily just if he had the capacity and the interest to look at other sources 
Right. Why wouldn't he move? Because people like that can just, they use circular logic, right? Like once you're in this, once you're moving through this, you're just like, oh, well, they could have faked that. Oh, well, this could be fake news. Yes. Oh, well. And yeah. then they just keep doing that over and over again where right. they can say things like CNN and New York Times and all of that. It's yeah. fake. It's fake. It's fake. It's fake. It's bought. The, it's bought. It's bought. And the things that are actually fake on your websites, that you, sure. on Fox News, the things that are actually proven to be fake because you could see the original and you can see the version that was put out by Fox News or OAN or whatever, then they'll be like, no, well, I mean, how did we know that the original wasn't fake? Right. And that's it. And once you have that lot, like once you have that mindset, there's really no breaking it, right? Yeah. And the, the real issue I feel like I've faced my entire life and what I literally am in therapy for is that I just don't understand these motherfucking people. Yeah. And I want them to constantly see the world I see. Yeah. And if I spend the rest of my life hoping and praying and continuously driving myself insane thinking that these people are going to do the right thing or do the thing I think is right. Because again, the right thing is subjective to many people. Then my mental health will constantly suffer. I mean, it's bad enough that I'm constantly wanting my relative and <laughs> other fucking people in my family to do what I want them to do, right? And mm -hmm. like, or do the things like I need and it's just not going to happen. So why am I going to sit there and argue with someone who believes these things? It just isn't worth it to me. When I have a conversation with someone, I used to be the, well, I think I'm right. And I want to get this person to understand that I'm right. Right. That's not why I have conversations anymore. That could actually be really toxic. Even if you are right, it could still be really toxic. Oh, 100%. 100%. So what I've done now is say, well, you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't actually matter if we agree. At the end of the conversation, two things in order for the conversation to be interesting and, and worthwhile to me, one or both things need to happen. The first one is I need to have learned something. Sure. I need to know something I didn't know at the beginning of the conversation. The second thing is I want to understand. So if I can understand more than I did before and if I can learn something, even if at the end of the day we realize we're very different people, we're probably never going to get along and hopefully we'll never talk to each other again, then to me that was a worthwhile conversation. I looked too black to be totally ingratiated into white culture. Right. And I acted not black enough for black and brown people. Sure. So I've always just kind of done my own thing. And I just kind of went in between clicks and found different groups of people who tolerated me. Didn't even necessarily like me, but tolerated me enough to have me around. And I've learned to enjoy my own company. And if I'm alone, that's good enough. If I have a group of friends who enjoy me, that's great too, but it taught me to be self-sufficient and to not get involved in groupthink and not just do what your friends are doing and not just accept what your friends are doing. It taught me to be a little bit more well-rounded. My mother used to, what was that saying that our mothers used to have? Oh, well, if your friends all jumped, jumped off, off a bridge, bridge, would you? And I'd be like, bitch, I'd be the first one to jump off that bridge. Which one? How tall is it? Is, <laughs> it? <laughs> is it the one that guarantees my death? Is it a suspension <laughs> bridge? I went to a junior high school that specialized in the gifted and talented. Mm -hmm. And you had a test in. Okay. And you took that test to be in a certain talent, quote unquote. Okay. So there was music talent. There was vocal talent. Oh. There was athletic talent. Mm -hmm. There was math talent. There was creative writing talent. A whole bunch of things. I tested in for math talent. Oh. Mm. Wow. Right. 
I could build a hexagon. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. No, it wasn't. <laughs> you made it. You created it. I tested <laughs> in, and then the first year in sixth grade, I started bleeding from the vagina, and I lost math. Oh. Gone. That's how it happened. I didn't even know he, puberty could make you lose something you were really fucking good at. It can. But it did. So then I tested into creative writing, okay. and they were actually, you're quite brilliant at this yeah. for such a young kid. And weirdly enough, that's kind of where my life went. That's good, though. Good to figure this out in, you know, sixth grade. But yeah, there's simple, simple skills. Uh-huh. <laughs> Communication skills. Yeah, you know. And uh, I think that that's something that a lot of the boomer generation lacks, right? And I just think to really full circle the friendship thing, without friends, I think you spend a really lonely life. I think friendship is so important, but it's not taught to be important. The most important relationship is always your significant other. We're not taught that a circle of friends is the most important thing. And it can be toxic because peer pressure is absolutely real. It is 100% real and it can really completely fuck up your life. But if you make good decisions and you know how to prune your tree of friendship, then it can grow into something that can really like save you in the end. If and when you want to leave, okay. And that's different you know for me because i'm very much so uh i'm very selective sure and when you when you're selective it's very easy to become possessive (laughs) 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 crazy laugh in the background you're never gonna leave me yeah yeah no i hear you yeah yeah i had to stop that and be like when someone wants to leave or if someone this is this is really important to me so maybe this is number two on the list the first was chemistry Maybe the second one is the benefit of the doubt. A true friend to me is someone who, if they are confronted with something coming from me that is toxic or negative, their automatic thing is, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Let's have a conversation. I'm not going to assume that they're coming at me from, they're coming at me at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're coming from malice. malice. Right. It's not, it's, I just don't quite understand what's happening or they're going through something that I'm unaware of. Yes. And that's part of the reason one of my friendship, I think I had for three years, imploded. Now, I knew from the beginning that this person was too sensitive for me. And what I, does too and, sensitive mean? So, so what that means is even though they appear to be doing the work because they, they did understand like what highly sensitive people were, they understood that they had child uh, CPTSD, child post-traumatic stress disorder. They told me about their relationship with their parents who are genuinely crazy people. Okay. They talk the talk. But when it came to actually walking the walk with their friendship, they were not in a place, once they got into their head about something, they weren't in a place to hear reality. So they couldn't walk the walk. So what ends up happening is um, after three years, all of a sudden they thought I was talking to an ex of theirs mm. who was in, who's on the other side of the country, mm-hmm. who I only friended on Facebook because they asked, they, the, my friend asked me to friend their significant other on Facebook. So I said, okay, okay. Why? What? That's I don't, I don't know. That's bizarre. I, but I did okay, it. You know, yeah. But I did it. And then when they broke up, they asked me to unfriend this person this from a, Facebook. This is a wild rise from start to finish. So I did it this because that's shit. what they asked. It's social media. Who cares? It's social media. Who cares? Um, and then a few weeks later, they said that their ex said that they messaged me. And I was like, I didn't get a message. 
So they said, okay. And a couple weeks after that, they said, my ex said they messaged you. What's going on? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And at the time, I'd forgotten that if you're not friends with someone on Facebook and they message you, it goes into a separate inbox. Right, and I'm not checking that inbox. And I'm not checking. Well, I don't that, care. That's called the creepy inbox. <laughs> you know, right? We don't check the creepy inbox. But, because if we yeah. did, we'd be alarmed of all the messages Mes- we receive. In there. From people who are not, we're not friends no, with. No, and they're gross. And, they're men, and they're disgusting. And they're all men, all of them. I mean, we are Misandrous. Do you I, understand? Have you seen these fucking messages? <laughs> They're pretty, some of some of them are legitimate, but but some of them are not. But the point was, I'd forgotten. Mm-hmm. So instead of giving me the benefit of the doubt, saying this person and I hosted them, they were driving up from somewhere. They stopped at my house. I was taking care of kittens at the time. They came to play with the kittens. Dude did music. We vibed, and then they drove out to the other side of the country. I only met this guy once. Don't even remember his name. So instead of giving me the benefit of the doubt of saying, well, I did ask her to unfriend them. And then if they messaged her about something I left at the apartment when I bounced and didn't tell them, they wouldn't get it. They wouldn't know they had it. They, it was the logic. They weren't doing the logical steps of saying, well, yeah, if they messaged my friend and we weren't friends on Facebook, it would go into a separate folder. Okay, they're not stop. Tracking. I'm going to cut you off. Go ahead. I don't answer any, any messages yeah. <laughs> like you answer my messages but they're like, from me like they're from you but also like sometimes two days later yeah sometimes two days later and I yeah. love you yeah what the fuck is happening so, in so this when situation you're, so when you were asking what do you mean sensitive this is what I'm saying I hear you this, 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 hear this you. is the sensitive I hear you they said that they said that they messaged you and you're lying to me I think you're talking to them behind my also, back also why was because, he messaging you because when she dipped out while he was at work she, she moved and didn't tell him and I guess she left a box of stuff behind so he messaged me like hey they left their things and sure. they blocked me i can't get in contact with them and i of course this is a month after he messaged me so i don't know this so we're on the phone she's like for the second time are you talking to him and i'm like what are you talking about and they, you know they messaged you on facebook why aren't you telling me about it so i went on facebook with her on the phone and i'm like oh yeah in this other folder of people who are i'm not friends with on facebook yes i do i see now that i have a message and i read it to her and that wasn't enough I still think you're talking to him. Bitch, you know I don't like anybody. And I don't talk to people. And I'm an introvert. And I don't have... I just... I'm not... What are you... So this is what I'm saying. It comes... I already knew because I knew how sensitive she was and how she grew up. I knew that something was going to happen. She's projecting her worst fears on you. Right. And I wasn't prepared for it to be this. I was prepared for it to be something else. Sure. Like, I'm not empathetic enough. Or I, you know... Well, no, you're not. Playing trauma Olympics. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure, sure. But, like, this was not the thing. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, hold up. You think I want to fuck your ex? Yeah. Who is across the country and ugly? Right. Well, You're- okay, so that so he wasn't ugly. Hey. And you were like, hey, what's up with your arm? And I was like, I got bit by a kid. And I realized I should have given you more context. <laughs> uh, but you were just like, cool, cool, cool. Okay. You want to talk about it. And it was the first time anyone at the store had really been like, do you want to talk about it? Do you want to talk about yeah. it? Yeah. Tell me about you. what's going on with you. Right. Yeah. Um, I just felt like I was just constantly moving it's so weird to think i had hustle at 16 but i did you did you absolutely (laughs) did to be able to talk about mental illness in a very real way is also really important to friendships 
I do agree that now that I understand at least my current diagnosis as bipolar 2, that might change in the future. Who knows? I understand that like, yes, you have to, in order to be friends with me, you have to understand that I'm coming from a perspective and my, and my perspective now is a, as I am a per, I'm an unmedicated person with bipolar 2 and that affects our friendship, that affects the way that I think, the way that I sleep, the way that I work, yep. that affects our relationship. Someone who does not... Sh- Not everyone struggles with mental illness, but let's say struggle. Someone who doesn't live or struggle with mental illness is less likely to be empathetic unless they like are going into that as their career. (laughs) They're less likely to be empathetic to that. Well, because they don't understand it. They don't understand it. And there's no way for them to possibly understand it. Or if they don't know someone or they don't, you know, whatever. No one in their family, none of their friends struggle with it. That's really hard. Or diagnose. It's entirely possible that they do know people who struggle with it, but they don't talk about it or they're not diagnosed. So they're just like, yeah, I don't know anyone. Yeah. I mean, one is... Like my cousin stays up for three days at a time, but I just think that's meth. I don't know. Is it possible to be friends, for people to be friends with someone who is the gender that they're attracted to? Is that possible? Yes, of course. It is. Absolutely. Is it less likely with certain people? If they suck, sure. Or if they see their friends as a dating pool they haven't dipped into yet? Well, then that's that's your fucking friend. You're not an actual friend at that point. You're You're not an actual friend. You're just waiting for your chance. Correct. Okay. You're in the sidelines. That's like the same thing thing with like friend zone. You Mm -hmm. think you're just like waiting for the chance to like fuck your friend. And quite frankly, I think you're a shitty person because I would much prefer to just be your friend because if I wanted to fuck you, I'd be like, hi. I want to fuck you. Now, are there some instances where people are friends and they grow into both mutual attractions? Sure. Or they both find each other attractive with their friends and then they realize that like maybe we should date. Fine. But literally the two dudes I keep in touch with in college, one of them is a straight man and we are homies. There was like a brief moment where we're like, should we make out? And we're both like, ew. Mm. And then Mm. that was it. And now there's never been that instance ever again. And he's more like a brother to me than anyone else. And that's where we are. You know what that reminds me of? In Arrested Development, in one of the later seasons, Joe became friends with, I want to say, oh, who was in Zoolander? Oh my God, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. Yeah. And, he, and, and the narrator was explaining that neither of them had ever really had a friend before. And, right. they, and they were confusing mutual like adoration for a sexual attraction. Yes. And they were like, are we gay together? Like, like what's happening? And it's like, no, no. They, they, you, didn't under- you don't understand what friendship is. Correct. <laughs> so maybe like two or three down the line is I trust their judgment and their friends. That's also yeah. important. Because when we were young, we all, weren't we always like, you can't judge people by their friends. You have to judge people individually. As an adult, I think we both learned, no, I can judge you no, by your friends. I'm going to do it. I'm going to judge you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to judge you by the other people. The company you keep actually matters. If that's who you roll deep with, then like, how am I supposed to trust that that's not really what you're thinking? Right. You know what I'm saying? It's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to trust someone who's got friends that you're like, wait, what? Wait, excuse me? They said what? What? And you're def- you're defending that. And you you cool? And it's not even like you're like you know what? I completely understand. I completely disagree with what they said. I still love them. I don't. I do, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I don't know sure. how to talk. That's a different conversation. So the thing for me, like having conversations, is so important to me. And words. I mean, there's a reason I'm a writer. There's a reason I, I write songs. There's a reason I write books. There's a reason I write poetry because words are important to me. Words to me are the breath of life. So if I was not talking to people or writing about things or, or using words to any kind of constructive capacity, 
I'm kind of not sure what I would be doing here. If I can't help someone understand themselves or understand the world or just make life a little bit easier for like one person, why am I here? Why am I talking at all? What are words for then? Oh, we get mad existential. Okay, this is too deep for this. this is too Woo! deep for the friendship for the friendship well, conversation. Oh, I mean, mostly just because we just finished the second bottle of wine, and I'm not feeling quite frankly on the level okay. right now. No, I mean, really, I think the quintessential question that we all ask ourselves is, "Why are we here? Why are we here?" Yeah, yeah. and I think that's something we grapple with all the time, but. When it comes to friendships, I think the best case scenario is someone that just for that time you spend with them, like makes your life a little bit better. They bring joy, they bring happiness, they bring laughter, they bring levity, good conversation, or even for some people, just a break from reality. I know I I did. I put like, well, you can't see because it's a podcast, but I put quotes. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like the quote crazy end quote community. community okay like where what community is that are the people in if you want to street term insane asylums right mental wards if they were offended by the term let's say CeeLo green has that song would that make me crazy that make me crazy exactly is our cancel culture coming for CeeLo green next no okay why not um, well you know what they say what is it 90% of the problems in the world are not what you say but how you say it yeah yeah so I mean, I didn't know that saying, but I'm hearing well, it for the first time. I'm probably bastardizing and mixing up several different sayings and mashing yeah. them together. But you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So, generally speaking, if you use the word crazy and you're using it in a negative context to describe someone who does not actually suffer from mental health issues, fewer people are going to have a problem with it. Yeah. If you try to describe someone who has mental health issues, specifically if you know what they are, you know what the diagnosis is, you know what the symptoms are, and you're doing it with the intention to minimize and vilify them or to embarrass them or be condescending in some way, that's when people really get up in arms and go, whoa, 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 whoa. We can't use that word because context matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... What was the recent one? The recent one was, I think it was Beyonce. The word spaz. Yes. That was the recent one. Yes. And it's like, well, she obviously wasn't doing it to offend anybody. Right. The quote unquote woke revolution we've had in the past really five years, but it's slowly been building over the past seven, eight years into like, wait a minute, we need to be empathetic. We need to understand. We need to not just throw terms and labels at people and write them off and dismiss what they're going through and acknowledging emotional and psychological abuse as abuse and manipulation. I think that it's not black and white. We don't just get to go to one end of the spectrum and say the word crazy is off the table in all situations because we want to make sure we never offend anybody ever again. That's not okay. What do you say to this then? Wait, wait, let me fin- let me finish. Okay. We also can't go to the other side and say everything is on the table. We need to just let people speak how they want to speak, speak their minds. And if you get offended by something, that's your issue and nobody has to cater to your feelings. That's also not a world I want to live in because that then allows for abusiveness. And we've lived in that world for too long. So it's hard and it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of communication. And that's why people don't want to do it. That's why people dismiss anytime someone... It's like, hey, can we, um, I just want to talk about this term. Just, it's a little, here we go, problematic. Can we just talk about it? 
one side goes, you complain about everything. You're woke. We don't need to talk about every single thing. Shut up. I want to say that word, go away. There's no interest in having a conversation or a dialogue because that takes work. Okay, next topic. Are we done with this one? Is it over? Did we? Did Thanks we, for tuning in, everybody. Explore, <laughs> that was a. Uh, did we explore every corner of this topic, or are you just is your is your undiagnosed ADHD just flitting you off into a direction? <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. It's mm-hmm. been a great time. And, 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 uh, and by by the way, I have no uh, status or certificate to diagnose anyone, which is why I specified that it was undiagnosed, even though that means my opinion is that you check <laughs> off you, my opinion. My, my unprofessional opinion is you check off a lot of boxes yeah. for ADHD and other neurodiversity. I consider myself also to be neurodiverse. Neurodiversity is a huge umbrella and there's lots of us under it. But I just want to make sure I don't want to get canceled because when you armchair diagnose someone, it's a problem. All I'm saying is... I've noticed some interesting behavior patterns over the past 10 years that I've known you. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And I, another person that used to always get asked a similar thing was Quentin Tarantino. Right. He'd always like that was a thing to the point where he would, I believe at some point he said, I'm not answering the question anymore. Like I've yeah. answered a billion times. You, are, you guys already know how I feel like, why are your films so violent and blood? And, and why do you love the N word so much? Like, you love that word. This is the thing. I think that there are words that are, like, explicit or art that is shocking. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it does really drive home an emotion, which is, like, what you're trying to express. You know, and it's kind of like, that's that's the age-old tale. It's like, to me, that was always what was so interesting about movies and art and songs. It was like that you could go somewhere beyond the physical world we live in. And you could talk about things and use imagination and... I feel like that element is a huge factor in what makes art interesting in the first place. Controversy? Not controversy. Not necessarily controversy. Just no, like the bend of the imagination. Physically looking at something that you would not see in real life. Traveling, you know what I mean? In your mind to a place you wouldn't actually go in this physical realm, right? Quote unquote real life. You know, and that's the whole thing that is kind of like it expands your imagination. You feel like that's something that's like really, really exciting and it's kind of like we could find a lot of those elements in a lot of iconic movies. I went to a Buddhist temple this morning and they were speaking about how, you know, like we'll get attached to things and we can become so angry. And it's like that anger and that'll happen to me a lot of the times when I'm thinking about politics or like this watching going down the YouTube rabbit hole. And it can be so easy to instantly like become angry about like the the injustice or the lies or the the whatever and how do we step back from that and have compassion and understanding that this is a hurting human being and their anger has overtaken them and how do I as a human being not allow my anger to overtake me and actually have a genuine conversation with someone when it's like you want to I want to be like are you effing kidding me? You support? Are you kidding me? You know, but that there's millions and millions of people in our country that believe this way. So it was good for me. It was good that these were like family friends that we've known for over 20 years. And I could have like a calm conversation with them. I felt like I had to limit myself sometimes because it would turn sideways. So I think it's interesting that you were able to, first of all, check yourself, because we were also talking about 
before we started recording that you were able to get your, or it was necessary during these conversations to get yourself in check, to make sure you didn't fall into your own anger spiral and start lashing out and labeling people and, and coming from a place that when you don't know somebody and you hear this stuff, you just go, well, you're just an idiot. Something's just wrong with you, right? Yeah. And, and you couldn't do that because you've known these people for a long time. You right. know that they're, to a de- I guess to a degree, they have to be a compassionate, compassionate, loving people. And you know that they're complex human beings as opposed to just a shell that represents something that you're against. Right. Like, like you can see on TV and on YouTube right. and all those things or read it in, you know, on the paper or whatever. But it's like, this is a whole human being. And they're saying something that I find very confusing and also is scary. So I need mm-hmm. to like make sure I'm okay yeah. so that I don't become the person that they're being told I am. Since mm-hmm. I am since I'm on the opposite side of the uh, of the conversation, um there's there's kind of like this this dual role you have to play of like being I guess a good representative <laughs> of the opposite side um and also just making sure that you don't push the conversation to a place where it's no longer a conversation, it's now an argument and right. it escalates into a fight. Exactly. And then nobody's hearing anybody. Yeah. Nobody's doing anything positive or constructive. It's just emotion, which is also what we talked about. It's right. just emotion, 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 and emotion, emotion, emotion. And like, where's that going to get you? Mm-hmm. Nowhere. We've also, we're talking about how to recognize things going wrong. So there's a micro level of recognizing when an individual, you yourself or someone you're, you're close to, something's off, right? And at first, if you don't have the vocabulary and if you haven't been educated on what to look for that could be off, which also means you need to have a baseline of what's on, right? But let's say, you know, when you're young and, and you don't know, you haven't been to therapy, like your family and your friends have, haven't given you any foundation of what a healthy, non-toxic life and relationship with yourself and other people looks like. There's so it's so easy for abuse and manipulation to creep into your life. It's so easy to just let it in because you don't have the vocabulary. You can't you don't have the eyes for it. You can't recognize it. And when someone from the outside with that education comes in and says, oh, that's abuse. And it's not physical, right? It's emotional. Right, right, it's yeah. it's um, it's it could be spiritual. It could be religious. It could be so many non-physical forms of abuse and manipulation. Your first instinct is to go, what are you talking about? That's right. that's not abuse. It's No, it is. It's, it's very subtle. It, it feels benign. In fact, it feels normal because you see it everywhere, mm-hmm. right? But no, it actually is abuse. When I first started running, before he was elected, I was like, oh, I think I got it. Everyone who's a fan of him is in an abusive relationship with him. It's not a personal relationship. It's a parasocial relationship, mm. but he's an abuser. And so all right. of his relationships are abusive, including with the people that who are his fans. That is so very true. <laughs> yeah. Because all these people that support him, like, a lot of them, like, he doesn't care. Like, he doesn't like them at all. He nope. would never want to even be around them. Right. Right. Exactly. He doesn't pay anybody. Right. He, he, he talks about people. He insults people. Um, he, uh, he doesn't respect anyone or (laughs) I, I never thought of it that way, but like, it is like this, um, that they kind of are in an abusive relationship with him. And I never thought about it that way. Yeah. It's very, my mind works very weird like that, but I try to, you know, I try to make connections because I was like, something isn't adding up. I'm like, something's, something's off, right? Something's off here. And if you don't 
if you're not sitting there like me, just thinking about just using my brain all day, trying to figure stuff out, because it's what I do. I just right. try to figure things out because the world is so confusing and I hate confusion. Even if I don't like the result, I still want to know. Mm. So I just sat there and I was like, wait a minute. All of these factors that you ask yourself or, or do for a loved one in a personal relationship, those factors are present. It's a roller coaster of love bombing and insults and criticism. It's you are expected to at all times support them blindly, to praise them no matter what they do, to control the narrative so other people around them can't think anything negative. You have to tell them what to think about the other person to protect them. Mm -hmm. You have to protect your relationship with them and make sure everyone thinks you're happy, even if you're not. There's so many things that happen in abusive relationships. It's so true. You have to deny your own feelings. Because I'm sure there are people who are like... There's uh, so uh, many Republicans who don't... um, Liz Cheney said that when uh, Republicans were walking into some room and they had to sign some piece of paper, and one of them said, what we do for the orange-haired god... Ooh. You know, and these are Republicans who are signing some piece of paper to show their support of him. Wow. You know, and it's like what we do for the orange haired God or the orange haired Jesus, I believe he said. Oh, well. You know, hmm. um, but it's like, yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's it's the human mind is, is fascinating. But you have to think all these people are individuals, right? Like right. It's, it's like we think of society as this, I guess, separate entity, but it's all made up of people. Right. So you have to understand the person mm-hmm. before you can understand how society shifts and moves the way it does. I think conservatives have done an excellent job hijacking our, and you talked about this, the limbic system, mm-hmm. right? To get, am I, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Did I say that right? <laughs> I hijacking your, like, your primal lizard brain yes. emotional center yep. to yep. get you in a primed state to support whatever they say it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what it is yep. but they've they've got the they've got it down democrats are just flying by the seat of their pants but also you have to kind of lack integrity in order to use that right you right. know what i'm saying so it's so i to a degree understand why they use it a little bit you know <laughs> like even if you're even if you're a democrat like figure out what makes people take and then use it, but use it responsibly. Don't right. use it to like start wars and to get people to attack people who look different than them. Because all of this is just a ruse so he can continue with his corruption. That's what all of this always is. Correct. Dictators, yes. authoritarians, yes. they're always like, let's let the mob fight amongst themselves while we just go do whatever we want to do. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening. And, you know, I'm trying to be over- like, I'm not just a, just a tree hugging hippie for no reason. It is better for everybody. How do we come together? Because if you're dealing with a mental health crisis, which is, I feel like is what we're dealing with, like on a mass scale, we're dealing with a, a, you know, a a huge scale of mental health issues that are manifesting themselves with this particular, within this particular context. But those Mm -hmm. mental health issues are, are there. And, 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 and that to me is what needs to be addressed because you can't fight irrational with rational it doesn't right. work right true, true. so you exactly. so you have to go like okay how do i fight irrational and it's like well what's what is making that person irrational it's their emotional state it's their yeah. it's their um their understanding of the world is just they've been fed a bunch of lies they have a whole bunch of trauma that hasn't been right. processed there's exactly. all these other things yeah. Yeah. but just like but just doing the the face-to-face shallow surface political 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 it's not. It's never going to go anywhere because because the whole reason for it hasn't right. been addressed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
I don't know like real numbers or statistics and I I do assume that most people um don't personally support however the Republican Party mm-hmm. as as it is right now as I understand it like they are a lot of them I'll say and I think a lot of it has to do with like fundraising. I mean, Liz Cheney like has. Oh wait, do you, do you mean politicians or I'm talking like politicians? Okay. and the the party itself. Okay, yeah. There once. Well, I mean, when it comes to fundraising, you never know what somebody really thinks on either side. Because mm-hmm. if because if you're just in it for the money, you're gonna you're gonna do whatever you can to keep your position, right. say whatever you need to to raise your money, and. Just like with Alex Jones, it's like, you may not believe the lies you're saying, but crazy right. people out there do. And that's yeah. the real danger. Yeah, exactly. Is that you're willing to sacrifice all these people, all these faceless people who are not real people to you. Yeah. You're willing to sacrifice them and, and get them hurt as long as it keeps you comfortable. Exactly. So, yeah, there's a, a most Republicans, I've heard that most Republican politicians do not support him. I think and do not believe anything he says or does. Um, I do believe that, but they're not showing that right like, to their constituents. Exactly, they're not going out there and saying, "Hey, so funny story, <laughs> right?" Turns out uh, we were wrong about everything, and everything he says and does is a lie. And you've been fooled by him, and also me too. Don't you feel dumb now? Of course, they're, you know they're not right, going to do right, that. Right. So it's and it's it sucks that you you're selling out. Not just your own people. You're selling out everybody. Everybody is going to get the shit end of the stick. Everybody loses in this situation. Mm -hmm. You know? And people are so... People get so butthurt about being wrong. It's just... You can't be wrong. Everyone... You have to be... Everything you think has to be right all the time. You can't admit when you made a mistake. You can't admit when you were fooled. You can't admit when you were gullible. So even though I'm sure there are people who are like, Oh, I bet on the wrong horse. Mm-hmm. They're not going to tell anyone. Right. Are they going to lose all their friends and all their family mm-hmm. and let people know? No, they're not going right. to. So like, how do, how do we get to the, to a point where it's like, it's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay to, to, um, to have believed lies. It's okay to have felt things that are really terrible. It's okay to have prejudice and bias. Everyone has prejudice and bias. The point is to not act on it. The point is to not affect other people's lives negatively. The point is to not pass laws that affect other communities negatively because for some reason it makes you feel better. It, you know, it's, it's opening up the conversation. So we started talking about seeing people who their values and beliefs are just bewildering and disgusting to a point and being like, okay, that's a whole complex human being there right how do i get myself to be able to hear what they're saying without Mm -hmm. getting into a fight and part of what i did with my friend was i explained to her i understand not wanting to debate this person over this thing that has nothing to do with anything anything important but now that i have books i'm interested in creating insights for and a podcast i'm interested in talking to people through I'm willing to have these discussions now. And in order to have these discussions, I have to be, or at least appear, open and receptive and willing to talk and calm mm-hmm. and not be the person that they think I'm going to be mm-hmm. in the conversation. I just have to be open and willing to hear what they have to say. So it put it, so it actually does two things. It puts me in a receptive position because I can take everything they're saying and use it 
for another conversation and at least have like a an understanding of where they're coming from because when you don't know where someone's coming from and they just say something that sounds crazy you're like well you're just crazy but if you start right. somewhere and you yeah, know yeah. where they started yeah then it kind of makes more sense how they got where they are so so i try to do that to just get a little bit more understanding and empathy but also it gives me a really really easy way to separate myself emotionally from what i'm talking about because i'm on a mission to get content for what I want to publish, right? So it's kind of like, kind of like being like a, a news reporter, you know? Where you're, you, yeah. you know what I mean? So it, it made it way easier to have these conversations. Mm-hmm.